Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Service. So for the next 15, 20 minutes, I want to really drive into that. And let me just say, you, you should be expecting this, even if you're a first-time guest and you're not part of the dignitary list and you've just come in because you've heard about it. The fact is, you go to church, in some ways, you know what you're going to get. And hopefully you've got that. We're going to sing some songs. We call it worship. We're going to pray. Okay, there's going to be a nice welcome. Hopefully if they're a good church, there's, there's teas and coffees before and after. Um, but there's going to be a word. There's going to be a message. What we like to do here at Arena Church is bring messages that help people, yeah. not confuse people. We try to bring messages that are understandable, not so complex you need a, deg- a degree to work it out. So what I want to do, I want to drive into the passage of what the kids brought to us today from John 13. And I want to take this thought of, if you want to take notes, even a mental note or even on your phones, I want to specifically talk about the Jesus way. The Jesus way. Now there have been some great leaders in past generations. But I'm biased and they've been great, men and women. But none surpass, in my mind, the greatness of, of Jesus. It's not just in the Bible, but history records the greatness of him. And for many, many years, I was bivocational, so I worked in business, and I was also in the church. I used to go to business seminars, and people thought they were really, really clever, and they were quoting stuff, and I knew they were quoting Jesus. They didn't know they were quoting Jesus, but they were quoting Jesus. And there are people who are continually to quote. I would probably say it's probably the most quoted individual that's ever been in history. Now, Jesus is known for many, many reasons, many reasons. And let me just quickly give them, give them uh, you know, to you, if that's okay. The first thing I want to say is that Jesus known, was known for his wisdom. He's known for his wisdom. He was wise. There were many people who said about Jesus, even as a 12-year-old boy, it records in the Gospels, that they were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed at his wisdom. People who didn't know anything about the religious stuff and were outcasts, they were just amazed by the way that that he spoke. Not preached, but the way that he spoke. He was a man of great wisdom, great understanding, great discernment. And one passage says they were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Brilliant. I love to be around people, not who are clever, intelligent so-and-sos who like to tell, let everybody know how clever they are, but I like to be around people who are wise, who impart wisdom. He was also known for his miracles. Now, this isn't a trick question here. Anybody like wine? Raise your hand. And if you lie, God will strike you down, okay? <laughs> so I'll ask the question again. Anybody like wine here? Okay, he was known for his miracles. Jesus' first miracle was to turn water into wine. Now, you may say, was Jesus a drunkard? No, he wasn't. And he wasn't saying, get drunk. The context to this miracle was there was a Jewish family who was celebrating their son-in-law or daughter or whatever it was, and they ran out of wine, which was disastrous. And Jesus wanted to save the shame of this family Even though he didn't want to get involved, his time wasn't ready. But he said to his mother, just get them to fill up some water pots. 
And they filled the water pots, and we don't give the details. Did he lay hands on the water pots? I don't know. But at his command, the water, as they poured it out, was turned into wine. And this is the most amazing miracle. They saved the best till last. I'm not a wine drinker, so I have no idea, no Scooby-Doo of a really, really nice wine. But you've got it in your mind, you wine drinkers. Multiply it by a thousand. And that's what you've got. He did amazing, amazing miracles. One of my favorite miracles is when a little 12-year-old had died and a father called for Jesus and he was delayed in coming. Why was Jesus delayed? Because he was healing somebody else. And as he walked into the room, this little 12-year-old, and for anybody who's lost a daughter or a son, as a child, the grief, the, 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 just the pain of that is just immense. And he speaks to this little girl. And the Bible records that she came back to life. Jesus had incredible power, miracles, wisdom. What about his love and compassion? That's why I love him, because there's nobody like Jesus. Because in the day, nobody would touch a leper. And of course, leprosy was a killer of the day. And still in some parts of the world, it still is a killer. It's not so much here in the Western world. But in that context that Jesus is operating in in the first century, they would not touch a leper. And yet it says in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man who had leprosy. He didn't speak to him from, from afar. He touched him. He touched him. And he spoke to him and said, be clean. And immediately the man was healed. His love and compassion went beyond just from distance he involved himself. Right. I want to tell you, he's involved himself in my life yeah. incredibly. Yeah. And what about the children? Because again, the day that they're in, rabbis don't deal with children. My, by the way, rabbis don't deal with women. And it's all through the scriptures how Jesus dealt lovingly. Yeah. Not sexually, not perversely, as some have tried to portray him. But lovingly yeah. with women. And with children. And the disciples say, no, keep the kids away. They're a pain. They're a, this, is, this is the Christian context. They're a pain. They're a nuisance. They're too loud. They're not behaving themselves. And Jesus said, shut up. Bring them to me. Yeah. And he blessed the children. What was he saying all the time, guys? He was showing his love and compassion. You could say, well, Christian, they're in themselves are amazing. But yes, one thing that just not stands above them all, but we must drive into, and I want to take us to in the time that we've got, is because on this civic occasion, we're celebrating the service both publicly and privately. And there are many from the church, and this is just a small percentage of our church. And if you're part of Arena Church, I want you to listen in. Because this is a passion of ours. Because we want to live out the Jesus way. And the Jesus way, another thing that he was known for was his service. It says in Mark, in chapter 10, verse 45, it'll come on the screen, I think. For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus easily could have said, I am God, and these people are going to serve me. But instead... He made the decision to lay down all the splendor of heaven yeah. 
and become a servant. And he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And of course, the ultimate service was he laid down his life as a ransom for many. Martin Luther King said this, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? I still think it's a valid question. What are you doing for others? What are we doing for others? What am I doing for others? What is our family doing for others? And I'm a bit of a dreamer like Martin Luther King. I dream of better days. I dream of better communities. I dream of a place where we're not just nice on Christmas Day, but we're nice 365 days of the year. I dream of a day when I can disagree without being disagreeable. I can disagree without being ugly. I long for those days. I long for those days. And Martin Luther King sums it up. What are we doing for others? So let me just, in these moments that I have with you, take you back to the wonderful readings of the Gospel of John, chapter 13, from Joseph and Amelia. Because there are a few things that I want you to notice. I want everybody to notice. First of all, when I was reflecting and reading and, and, and studying the text again that I've read a thousand times, and that's probably not an exaggeration, I noticed that his power was under control. His power was under control. Let me take you to verse 3. It says there that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. That he had come from God and was returning to God. In this verse, we see that Jesus' power was under control. Why do I drive into this? Because we live in such a world, and it's not just the political arena, it's the church arena. We've got people getting above the stations in all kinds of walks of life. And his ego and his position was all rightly placed. He recognized who he was, but he was in control of it all. And some things that I now look on at the world, and forgive me for a moment, and I'm not being political, I'm just speaking into the world context, and what would I know really? But in this world of leadership, it can be out of control. Leaders who are demanding, and I have my rights, live with entitlement, excesses, and extravagance. And like I've said to you, that is not just in the outside world, that can also be in the church. Jesus remembered, whilst he knew he had power, he recognized that he was first a servant. You see, we need to recognize honor and respect, and I hope we'll do that, church, afterwards with teas and coffees and not rushing to the table to get the food, but let other people go ahead and letting ladies go ahead. And I, I still believe in all that stuff. And sorry, let me give you an example. I once opened the door for a lady and said, why, I'm not going through, you go through. I said, no, this is what we do. No, not for me. If you're one of those, God bless you. But I think it's, I, was taught to, I was taught to open the door I was taught to open the door for a lady. By the way, I was taught, oh, I'm now off my notes. I was taught to stand up when an older person came on the, or a lady came on the bus. I still do it. I still do it. I think they're good manners. We teach this in our church. So if you have a problem with it, that's fine. Take it up with me after over a cup of tea. I'm not going to change my mind because I can be a stubborn fool. We recognize honor and respect. But these should never elevate us to some kind of demigod position. 
The Bible tells us that we must not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We should think of ourselves in a high, confident fashion. We're created in the image of God, but we should not go above our station. And the world is out of control. We've got domineering men. We've got husbands abusing women. We've got children exerting power over others in the playground and on social media. And it goes on and on and on. Let me tell you, if we've been given any power, if I've been given any power and authority in this church, which I have from God and from the people, is not to enslave others, it is to serve others. I recognize. And anybody who knows me closely, I am first a servant. So he used his power effectively, but secondly, he led with service. He led with service. Let's take you back to the text again, verse 4 and 5. Jesus got up from the meal. He took his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, just for a moment, give me all your attention. Because let me give you the context. Some of you may know this. Some of it isn't. Because it's lost in you. What's the big deal about washing the feet? Well, if you go back to those countries, and of course, the awful things that are happening on both sides over in the Middle East at the, at the moment. And our position is we're praying for those innocent people who are being killed and murdered. It's terrible. Terrible what's happening. But in those contexts, and we had the privilege of being in Greece in September and walking those... Those roads, they weren't made up. We didn't have pavements. They were dusty. And this is what they were walking in. In this first century, there were donkey dung and there was all kinds of things. And they were coming to this special meeting, this special meal. And at a special meal, what they would do is they would all take their shoes off and the lowest servant would wash the feet. Because they weren't in chairs, they would, they would be crammed up together around a table and they would be kneeling or, you know, cross-legged. And the servant would wash the feet of those smelly, dirty feet that were around the table. Now, Jesus did this on purpose. He took the lowest. Now, you could have said, well, he could have said grace that was serving them. He could have poured the wine. Of course he could. But he did it on purpose. He wanted to take the lowest menial job, the stench and dirt of the feet, and wash the people. Just give me a little bit of an indulgence just for a moment. People ask us why, at Arena Church, why do we do what we do? We, we do what we do because we try and reach and touch and serve and love and help the most disadvantaged in our communities. And back in 2008, when the financial crisis happened and there was a, a bank meltdown, we started to have people knocking on our doors. People asked me, why did we set up a food bank? We didn't try and be sexy and clever. We were doing food banks before they started. And we were having people knocking on our door and saying, we can't live. And by the way, anybody knows me, if I see a, a mom with, a, with two little kiddies who've got nothing, you'll empty my pockets. And that's what was happening. And I remember saying to Lisa Harrison, who's over here with the team, come on, we've got to do something. And not alone, we've worked now with, sorry, with 45 agencies, with the council, we work with probation, we work with child services, we work with Sure Start. What are we doing? We're leading with service. We're trying to lead with service. We're not trying to be holy or greater than anybody else. We're just trying to meet the needs. And very quickly, before I go to the last point, 
It's great to meet the needs. You can lead with service when people are grateful and kind and nice, eh? Where they say thank you. <laughs> Those who are socially acceptable or, or, or kind and generous and really, really appreciative. But what about those who aren't? What about the misfit? What about the disenfranchised? What about the broken? What about the dirty? What about the bad behaved, the abusive, confused, irrational, vile-mouthed, belligerent, addicted, addicted? I'll say it again, addicted in our community. We've got a massive issue. The whole world's got a massive issue. Angry and violent. What are we going to do with them? Well, we've made a decision. We're going to lead with service. That doesn't mean to say that we, 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 we're doormats. That's why they keep me out of it, because the lawfully smear, I'd have, no, have nothing. Lisa has to keep me away from it. She's the one who's able to figure it out. But what I'm trying to make the point is we don't just want to serve those who are nice. Anybody can do that. What about those who aren't so nice? And by the way, we've got some people, and you won't even realize it. You sat next to people who weren't so nice. Now they're nice. Because we've helped them. And God's done a great work in their life. They'd be in prisons. They were in prisons. They're now not in prisons. They're now wonderfully set free. Thirdly, oh, I could really go on one, and I could tell you want to go and get your sandwiches, you, you downstairs and your cakes thirdly crucially he left us thirdly not only did he lead with service but he left us an example the greatest leader of all let me take you John 13 14 to 15 he says this now that I your Lord and teacher because they said you're our Lord and teacher and you're rightly, he, he's just, he is the Lord and teacher, but he laid down his majesty, he laid down his, his sovereignty, he laid down his kingship to become the servant of all. And he says this, I have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet just for the guests here. We're not one of those kind of churches that do that on a Sunday. We're all kicking our shoes off because you ain't getting anywhere near my feet. There's only one person who's getting near my feet and it's my wife, okay? Everybody else, stay away from them. He may say, thank God as well, all right? We're not one of those, it's, it's the context of serving that he's on about. And he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Quickly, I summed it up this way. I have the joy of preaching in lots of different places and different things. And more recently, I said to a couple of churches and a couple of conferences, I said this, loving your neighbor is identifying and living with the last, the lost, the least, the little, and the lifeless. And we're all there at one point. I came to Jesus as a little, and I was lost. Some people have come here lifeless because the addiction of, 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 sorry, the ravages of addiction got hold of you. Some of you felt like nobody was listening to you. You're the least. And this is what we are. God has given us as an example. And we have some phrases here that we... Our, our, our vision, our mission as a, as a community of people, and this is for the church, you just need to know this. What has kept us these last 18, 20 years is that we are going to continue to go and to grow and to love and to serve our world. And that means locally and globally. We believe that everybody is somebody. You'll see it all around our locations. Everybody is somebody. And by the way, I believe everybody deserves a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance. This causes us to serve and love and help. 
Will you just allow me? Because you'd expect one other thing to come when you come to church. And I'm not bothered whether you give or you don't because the Lord tends to take care of it. Well, he does. He doesn't tend to. He does. But we've got Christmas fastly approaching. Costs us around £350,000 a year, not to run the church, to run the charity that does all this work out. Seven grand a week. For a little charity, that's quite a weight. That's why I'm looking old and grey now. But at Christmas, we ramp it up. Already, I've, as I'm receiving emails of kiddies in our communities who haven't got toys and haven't got food. And so we work with the schools. We work with social services. You saw it on there. And those numbers are now delayed because they're going to probably, I'm not saying double, but there's going to be quite a significant increase. It costs us well in excess of £10,000 on top of what we already do just for Christmas. And all I simply want to say is if all you can do at the moment is say, I can't got time to get involved or I wouldn't know where to start, but I'm going to serve through an offering, then please feel free to do so. Just at the end, Tim will lead us through. And honestly, I'm not one of those slick American preachers. I might look like one, only because I got dressed up because I thought there's some nice people here. (laughs) Normally, I wouldn't dress suit and tie and everybody yeah we know Pam we know we know, we know. <laughs> I don't want to be facetious towards American preaching I'm not that guy I'm not that guy we're not that church but if you want to help please feel free because we want to continue to serve Alborough and wider afield let me draw this to a close. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I believe this. And I don't want to make you more uncomfortable than you presently are, but I need to say this. The greatest act of love and service is when Jesus willingly went to the cross for our sins. The Bible says, and I think if we all really search our heart, we all know we've done wrong. The Bible just calls it sin. I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. But I know I was a sinner. By the way, I use those because we tend to go there with big sins. But I was a sinner. And Jesus willingly substituted, took my sins. This was the greatest gift. Now, as I say, I don't want to make anybody, because normally in this kind of service, I would make an appeal. I'm not going to do that. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to bow your head in a moment of prayer and reflection but all I simply want to say to you is if you would like to know more about this Jesus that I've been talking about we've got some Bibles and if they all go we'll get your name and we'll make sure you get a Bible a modern day Bible if you've got a Bible at home don't just keep it on the bookshelf there I would encourage you to not start at the Old Testament I would start to encourage you and I've said this to hundreds of people start in the New Testament read the Gospels read about Jesus I want to tell you, if your heart is open and you're searching, Jesus will meet with you. You'll get to know this amazing guy who I believe will revolutionize your life. So I wonder if you'd join with me in a prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this civic occasion. And our heart is, whether we come to church or not, is to be a servant. 
May we serve the last, the lost, the least, the little and the lifeless. May there be a servolution, a revolution of service that arises from your church. There's so much need, so much brokenness. Pray, Lord, again for the council, for the councillors, for the politicians, for the services that make this country work, that you would give them strength. Thank you that we live here and not in some other countries that don't have these things. May we have an attitude of gratitude. Lord, I also pray that we would recognize the greatest act of service that has ever, ever taken on planet Earth was when you hung upon a cross at Calvary. And Lord, I just want to say and confess it in this moment of prayer, it has changed my life. It's changed my trajectory. It's changed billions of people over the planet. And I just simply ask, Lord, that in this moment, Spirit of God, you would speak to each and every one of us that our hearts would be open. Maybe even just to read the scriptures and just see how and why and where you lived. And may something of this message of the gospel resound in every one of our hearts, not just at Christmas or Easter, but throughout the year. I also pray for Arena Church that we would continue in our quest to go and grow and love and serve our world. And Jesus, I ask that you would raise up more workers. I ask that you would raise up more resource. I ask that you would raise up everything that we need to go and do this work. And we do it all in your name. And we ask this in Jesus' name.